All right. So here we are back with Films of Fury part two of the Walking Dead season nine predictions with the IndyCard Mafia, Eric Eminon and the project Thomas Brewington. Some of you are wondering how the hell did we end up with a two part episode? I'll tell you because I did not realize that I only have exactly 60 minutes to get an episode in and we were in the middle of a conversation when this episode got uh, cut to two. So ladies and gentlemen, you not only get one, but you get two motherfucking episodes of Films of Fury with the IndyCard Mafia. Bam! That's how we run it. Like, I fucking love this shit. Okay, so we uh, we are going to just pick up uh, right from the question we left off at. uh, And ladies and gentlemen, I mean, fuck it. This is how we roll. So the question was and uh, Eric was eloquently uh, giving his uh, thoughts on it. Is Michonne going to be the grieving widow or is she going to be going with Ezekiel or, or how do you see this? Because if she loses Rick, she lost Carl. She's only got Judith. Do you think they're going to continue on with the store, the comic books where she ends up with Ezekiel or do you think she's going to be going for throat depending if it's Maggie or Daryl or another entity that, that took Rick out? So I think, you know, like I was saying before, it was that we see Rick kind of give her that ultimatum. Hey, I love you. I care about you, but I need you to go because shit is about to go south fast. Like it is, it is about to go down. I need you to get out of here. When she says, no, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to fight with you. I'll give Judith up to X, Y, or Z. He is going to say, don't do it for me. Do it for Carl. This is what he would want. Get the fuck out of here. And that's, I think, the the defining moment of Rick was a dickhead. Now he's a good guy. Now he's a dead guy. Um, you know, it, I, I I hate to go, keep going back to um, shows like Sons of Anarchy, but we saw that thing. We saw it happen essentially with Clay Morrow, where he was this big, bossy piece of shit who fell from power, and then he started to kind of make things right, only to get killed. Or, you know, like Breaking Bad, where everything was was heading on the up and up, and then everything fell from grace, and then we all obviously know how that ended. But I think once news gets out that, uh, you know, one way or another something has happened to Rick, uh, I think we could see the potential of Michonne lashing out at a Maggie, which I think Maggie holding Rick responsible you know, if, if it's a situation where it's Rick and Negan and Maggie says, you know what, fuck them, let the herd out, like, let's let's make this happen, or, you know, I think that would be a moment where Rick's like, you know what, I've got this, You're, you know what you need to do, go, and then Michonne's like, I'm going to cut this bitch's head off, like, let's go. <laughs> so, so, with that being said, with that being said, though, we've talked about the possibility of Negan now leading the survivors do you think that maybe michonne takes up that task instead uh i don't know because the thing is that i i think that i don't think she has the character more or less to be that but you, know, you, you that big leader you also have to remember that the showrunner this season is is a female much like they did with jessica jones um mm-hmm. where they you know so you have to assume, and I'm I'm not trying to be an asshole. You have to assume that they're going to be more female centric storylines. You have you know the the survivors on the coast, an entire female colony. Um, 
you know, could we see Carol's character get accentuated in the kingdom? Maggie obviously is going to be the first real female villain that we've seen potentially. You know, I don't, yep. I don't think it's it's far off to see Michonne after Rick goes being the new the big female. She's already the female lead, but as yep. far as faces goes, I think that she definitely can take over that. Especially, we don't know how the the showrunner is going to be doing stuff. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I'm I'm not going to to base that on the fact that a female is running the show. Uh, but you can almost expect that, you know, with the, the loss of this giant presence, you know, if if they were running it any any sort of way, she's his 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 ride or die. So you could almost imagine she yeah. would take up arms for him. And I mean, and, and we bring up an interesting case point. You know, you have Carol who Carol has been kind of the secret weapon since season four season five you know it's like especially season five you know season six going into season six when she took out you know the terminus by herself and like mm -hmm. that's when you were like holy fuck she's she's the man um you know metaphorically figuratively figuratively, <laughs> figuratively. metaphorically I mean, yes metaphorically <laughs> let's just go she's she's the shit let's just go with she's the shit and I think that this last season where she was just off by herself, not wanting to engage, she'd reached her breaking point. I think this is when we see Carol going back to being Carol, where she is a leader and she is a strong fucking person. But you almost have to wonder, you know, she's been ostracized by Rick and you have Eugene who, who was treated like a piece of shit because he willingly became a Negan. Um, you know, he, he willingly took up after he was he was taken in season seven. He became an architect for them, essentially, their chief engineer. Um, how are characters like those going to react to Rick's death? Is it going to be joyful or is it going to be like, holy fuck, the king is dead? And I'm not talking about King Ezekiel. I'm talking about the the guy, like the guy in the show. Uh, I think there's going to be a big splash. Yeah, it, it's It's like any sort of major character loss and i mean the walking dead has already kind of dabbled with fear the walking dead in eliminating main characters and so um you know i, I think that you are going to see that that big ripple effect if you will um just because of the fact that he he is arguably the show um especially with, with the fact that they're bringing back john barenthal for the oh yeah uh, the episode got to that yeah but, you know, so that's like, I feel like we're going to see this. I, I feel like we're going to see a lot of interesting moments. And I think that the the most important thing to look back on is that there is going to be that moment of, I, I feel if, if it goes the way we all think it is and Rick ends up dying at the, at the, the, the more or less blood on the hands um, theory that, that we've been speaking about. Uh, I think there is going to be a, oh no, what have we done moment. And it's interesting that you bring up John Bernthal because many would argue he was the first villain of the show. And, Absolutely. And, and I think, and I, I, I say this in the fact that when we get introduced to Shane in the squad car, you know, he's, he's a single guy. He's just doing his thing. You know, Rick is the family man. And, you know, he almost is a sympathetic bad guy in the fact that, here he is essentially protecting his 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 what he thought was dead buddy's uh family 
He falls mm-hmm. for Lori. And then Rick mm-hmm. comes back into the picture. And we don't know the exact timeline between Rick getting shot and Rick waking up. You're assuming it's... At I least, mean, you're arguably, it's arguably, Judith isn't even his kid. Yeah. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. And and, and even even Rick has acknowledged it. Like, Judith, it, Judith's not mine. It's Shane and Lori's. Which is kind of why he really, you know, protects it. Because it's that link to his past before all of this. Before he got shot. You know, Rick's life never went into the zombie apocalypse. He woke <laughs> up into the zombie apocalypse. Like, that motherfucker was in a coma. And then, right. and then Shane, you have to almost argue, and it's going to be an interesting uh, episode because there is a part of me, you know, John Bernthal is doing one episode this season. Is it going to be a flashback or is it going to be a moment in the prison where Rick goes crazy and instead of talking to someone on the phone or seeing Shane when he's shooting people, what if you have Rick in his final moments? It's almost that coming to Jesus moment where it's Shane and Rick and Shane just looking at him and and I hate to say it but being like I was right I told you I could keep your family fucking protected and what did you do Lori died Carl's dead it's not even your fucking daughter um you know really what did you do to save anyone you know do you think that there's that possibility or do you think it's just going to be flashback from days gone by and it's going to be like happy moments as Rick is dying. Because personally, if you're pulling the Punisher out of his show, out of filming mm-hmm. his fucking Netflix show, which is fucking getting monster great reviews, do, yep. you, do you honestly think it's just for a one-off five-minute segment? Or do you think it's going to be like Rick and Shane in a delirious moment talking? I, I, If... If the episode five goes the way I'm thinking it's going to go, I think literally episode five is going to be all about him and Shane, Rick and Shane. I think it's going to be a, you know, this is, this is why you killed me. This is, this is what you wanted. And I think we're going to get a lot of um, him kind of tempting, you know, uh, Rick keeps running into corridors and running into walkers, running into walkers, finally realizing shit, there's no way out. And then Shane comes like kind of what more I, I'm, the way I'm picturing the scene in my head is Rick is cornered. And as the walkers are coming through, you see Shane kind of walk through the walkers and like kind of like push out of the way. And then he's in the front. And he goes, you did this to yourself. There is nobody to blame but you. And I want you to remember that. No. And, you know, Rick's kind of having the delirious. Uh, no, this can't be, this can't be, this can't be. No, no, no. Rick closes Why? his eyes, single teardrop falls, walkers yeah. eat him alive. Exactly. Why Why me? Why me? And then flash forward, Maggie, oh no, what have we done? Flash to another scene, Michonne getting the news that Rick didn't make it out from Negan. Negan's going, I'm sorry. She says, I'm sorry, he's not good enough. And who, who sent you there? Maggie. Michonne grabs her, you know, grabs up, packs up, let's go. And that's when we see the second half of the season where Michonne is out to get back. And, and see, I think, that, I, think I want to add to that. Oh, I think the last vision going through uh, through Rick's head will be Carl. You know, yeah. and, and you know, just just seeing his his dead son, the ultimate. The ultimate significance, the ultimate symbol of his failure. 
because yeah. it, it is to argue like all three of us are parents. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our entire goal as men. And I mean, this, this can get into whatever way we want to, we want to look at it. You can break it down psychologically, spiritually, um, you know, however you want to look at it. Our job as men is to, is to protect our children. First and foremost, we're, we are alpha males who will protect what is ours, our kids. And it's to raise them to be better people, better people than us in a lot of ways. And if you look at it from the perspective of Carl, who was uh, Rick's only child, is gone. And Shane's only child remains under the care of people that Shane has never met. So I almost would love to see that that realization, even if it's like like Tom said, where he's like, you know, it's the last thought he has in his mind is his son, because I would like to believe when all is said and done and I'm about to turn into whatever physical form comes after death that it's like, yeah, I'm going to see my kid just like, I, you know, we're all going to in our minds see our kids at their greatest moments. And for me, the greatest moment of their relationship was by the reservoir in season one where Rick is just jack off Rick and no one knows him and he sees Carl and there's that emotional moment like all of us yes. fucking felt that as Walking Dead fans we got hooked on that fucking moment fuck Lori you know yeah it was Carl and Rick uh-huh now you know it, it's funny because you know I almost feel like we've got the devil on on this this thing, you know, Tom Brewington. Do you almost feel like this is going to be the last temptation of Christ esque with Shane and Rick talking? Like, do you almost feel like you know Rick has managed to make it through all of these trials and tribulations, and Shane is going to be the devil on his shoulder, just saying, "You fucked up. You could have been like me. You fucked up. You chose this. You ruined your life. You fucked up." Or do you think absolutely? Or do you think it's gonna? Be I like hope it's like zombie friends. version of him though. Like, like I'm bleeding out still, you know, like popping up behind him, being like, the, really the last time, that shot? the last time he saw him, basically mm-hmm. in the field. I, yeah, I can I see mean, that. Do you think the death scene, like it's 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 moonlight, it's a dark hill, bang, like that's it, you know? I can definitely that would be, see that. That'd be pretty cool. So um, it'd be very so, poetic, very very. You know, it, it's an image that would stick with you. Like Kirazawa. It'd be one of those defining moments. Like a Kirazawa scene where you've got the two warriors, you know, who have faced each other in the past in the same exact spot. Moonlight, nothing else, just maybe mist and fog and starlight. And those two guys are just in that moment for eternity. Where before. Yeah. Like I, I just had a moment. Oh. Like, what if this is. Our ghost of Christmas past. Oh, because if you think about it, with Carl, we had our ghost of Christmas future. I'm feeling you. Keep it. Keep yo. Keep feeding me the storyline, so, kid. That's I'm what I'm saying. Is like we had our. This is what your life could potentially be. But Carl was never in those scenes. You know, this is what it could be. This is what it could be. You know, Carl's death was inevitable. The ghost of Christmas past is Shane showing up and saying, the only reason X, Y, and Z happened is because you showed up. And none of this could have, none of this would have happened if you showed up. All these people would still be alive if you didn't show up. This is all your fault. You're a failure. It's that moment of doubt. I mean, this kind of leads into, uh, like I said, I'm still 
very skeptical that Rick's going to die. And it's especially with like um, the tweet that The Walking Dead put out, don't believe everything you hear. And so like that was that, like when we were just talking about this, like it just hit me like, what if this is a ghost of Christmas past situation where it's like Rick comes out on the other side and is like, I need to leave you. I need to leave all of you. If if I don't leave, you're not safe. And it's Rick to let Negan out. And he's like, it's, listen, I, and he goes, very possible. I, I know you can run these people, but there is going to be checks and balances. And he doesn't die, but he kind of walks off into the sunset. He just walks off into the sunset, you know, scene fades to black. And we don't see him for another two seasons until he makes a miraculous comeback. <laughs> or what happens if, and we've all been waiting for this real inevitable moment, like when they were talking about Fear the Walking Dead and the Walking Dead finally, quote, worlds colliding. And Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead obviously takes place, you know, several months behind Walking Dead. What happens yeah. if Rick shows up on fucking Fear the Walking Dead in a season or two? Like, how much of a ratings bump would that be? Like, first you had Morgan, and now you're adding to the continuity where you have old man Rick, who is disillusioned, leaving, and is like at the end of maybe a season being like, I know a place that we can go where we'd be safe. Right. And, and then he shows up, and fucking that's when the Walker War happens, and here's Rick with this fucking ready group of people who are just as badass as before because rick is a fucking phenomenal leader and they acknowledge that in season three in the first episode where it's like you know rick got them through the harsh winter rick has gotten the groups to alexandra rick has managed to keep people going it's only until he met negan did shit go wrong and i love your idea about letting negan at him being the one to be like i can't do this anymore i need to leave unlocks negan and is just like by and yeah, absolutely and then fear the walking dead has a time jump where like you said you see old man rick and they do the world's collide gimmick because i think that's because, one thing we haven't really seen is the real world's colliding yeah we've only ever seen the southeast like the, the world's so big but it's so limited and, you and know, so with the fear of the walking dead, it's just, it's an expansion somewhere else. It's, it's, it's a different, it's a different Avenue for them to take. And I feel like even if, if Andrew Lincoln was to disappear for a little bit and then made that miraculous comeback, nobody, nobody sees it coming. You know, it's, it's, it's Hogan returning from WCW. Uh, very poetic with that one. And, <laughs> you know, and speaking of returning, uh i i have been waiting to to do this i have been i've talked to people and friends about this and the way that i was going to bring this up in tonight's show because as much as i am enjoying this podcast brought to you on anchor.fm and wherever you can get your podcasts uh the voice of the walking dead as much as rick has been the face of it is chris harwick who is returning to his duties be you know in front of the camera for talking dead uh both fear and regular and he is coming back after an investigation for uh misconduct involving his ex-girlfriend so 
I'm just going to to propose this. Do you feel that it was the smart decision now that AMC has finished their investigation? Now, mind you, I, I'm going to say these allegations, at least on AMC's side, have been have been proven false. And Chris Harwick uh, paid some heavy prices for this. You have to remember, we just had San Diego Comic-Con, and Chris Harwick was not the, the moderator like he would be all h and in many of the situations he was not the moderator at the walking dead um amc presentation for season nine he has been the you know the voice of the walking dead fans for for many seasons now and due to to allegations of you know a pretty graphic nature as it was described uh, emotional and physical and and sexual abuse um allegations by his his ex-girlfriend uh He's now back uh, in hosting duties. Uh, what do each one of you feel? And, you know, don't don't hold back because, mind you, we're, we're prefacing. These are allegations that were made. And AMC has come out and said that they do not they do not believe you know, believe the allegations merit him not having his job. So uh, I'll, sure. I'll let either one of you decide who wants to go first. So I'll, I'll go first. Um, you know, it sucks because Chris Hardwick, when, when the allegations came out, I actually hadn't heard anything of them. And it, it was just really, really disturbing that, you know, a guy like this would um, come out and do this. Cause you, you see him on TV every week, especially with like his comedy. You wouldn't, you wouldn't expect that to come out from him. And it, it seemed like, there was one allegation and then the news broke and then there was, Oh, there's multiple allegations from multiple exes and there was this big media storm and then it stopped. And then it, it, it came back in AMC. I think it was in the news yesterday where they said they had done a personal internal investigation with a company, um, to look into the accusations themselves and see how valid they were. And to have those come back, like especially with stuff like the Me Too movement, how much of a, um, how, how much damage it does to stuff like that, uh, you know, for, for these allegations. Cause if I'm not mistaken, didn't the, wasn't it just, um, like a, a an article that was written about an ex-boyfriend and then everyone was like oh chris hardwick's her ex-boyfriend well, well and then it just kind of like spiraled from there i because i'm I'm, not, I'm still not even sure exactly how the allegations came out because I, I just remember reading uh there was allegations towards him uh because he was linked to a story that was written by his ex uh it was an essay released on twitter by his ex-girlfriend uh who is an actress uh chronicling well not i can't really say chronicling but discussing the the relationships length of of mental and sexual abuse and physical abuse um you know not to go into great detail but like he would demand that she be ready for sexual activity when he gets home and all these these other things and like you said you know amc did an internal investigation now mind you uh it was as to the best of my knowledge it was only this one ex and also, uh, his his current wife and mother in law uh, both like stood by him. He vehemently denied the allegations right off the bat. 
Uh, and he was hoping AMC would would obviously do the investigation proper, which, you know, by all accounts they have. But also, you know, things popped up during the investigation, like attempts by her in order to reconcile the relationship to get back together. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, I, once again, you know, with the Me Too movement in mind, you know, I do believe that that people should definitely report when this shit happens. Definitely come out and and do this. But like you say, well, it it's it's hard to believe that someone would be accused of this. And, you know, now what's the backlash? Because Kathy Griffin has already come out and said she's pissed off that that Chris Hardwick got his job back. Um, yeah. And she lost. Well, I mean, that's just her career got slaughtered after that whole Trump thing. No, it's two. Yeah. It's two completely different worlds. I mean, Tom, exactly. Tommy, you know, what do you, you know, how do you think? Because, you know, holding up the severed head of the currently elected president of the United States for a photo shoot and being accused of of sexual misconduct and physical and, and mental abuse are two completely different things. Two completely separate coins. Exactly. It's not even, you know, to quote fucking Samuel Jackson from Pulp Fiction, it's not even the same fucking league. It's not even the same fucking sport. And when you have someone, in my opinion, and of course I'm going to defer the rest of this to you, when you have someone like Kathy Griffin who is like, well, why the fuck does he have his job when I don't have mine? It's like there was, there's obviously no proof or at least insufficient proof according to AMC's private investigation that proves that Chris Hardwick did it. Meanwhile, you did a photo shoot with the president's severed hat. I mean, I know that people would be like, well, it's artistic liberty, but there's a big difference between artistic liberty and sexual assault. Absolutely. All right. So, so you, you have the floor, sir. Like Eric said, with the me too movement and, you know, allegations like this constantly spurring up in Hollywood now, like you have the Weinstein case, you know, you have, you know, uh, the allegations against Morgan Freeman and like the subject at hand with Chris Hardwick. It's very hard to be, and this is going to sound awful, but it's also the truth. It's very hard to be uh, a male in 2018's America, 2018's world in general. Because, you know, there used to be a time where women wanted to be flirted with. There wouldn't be a time where women wanted to be, you know, chased after and sought after as if they were some sort of prize. And now if you do that, now you have allegations of sexual assault. Now you have uh, allegations of of inappropriate conduct. And as much as I support women's rights, as much as I support, you know, equality and as much as I support, you know, having a voice against things like this it's at the certain point of celebrity where no matter what you do you're always going to be under the constant microscope of the media you're going to be under the constant microscope of, of the internet in general so for amc to take into their own hands this private investigation and find that you know the things that were said about him the things that were written about you know were absolutely, well, I can't even say absolutely false because, again, this is just their investigation. We don't know for sure if it happened, but for them to come out and, you know, stand behind Chris Hardwick and give him his job back and put him back as, as the host of Fear the Walking Dead and uh, Fear, eh, wow, Talking Dead and, you know, the, the sub show, mm-hmm. it, it's a huge step in, in 
in the male light in this day and age. It's 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 night and day when it comes to situations like Kathy Griffin and Chris Hardwick. There is no comparison. Kathy Griffin, while you know we have a right to freedom of speech, which Dan you fought for, you know, and, and the allegations against Chris Hardwick, where you know comparing the two and why one has their job back and the other doesn't is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. I think Chris Hardwick, as far as a a personality, is fantastic. I think he epitomizes nerd culture the way it should be. And and the thing is, is he didn't just lose his job with AMC at one point. He lost his company. He lost he lost Nerdist, a company he co-founded, where yeah, they he's, they he's basically from it. yeah they they you know scrubbed him from the history of it. So like it has bigger repercussions than what Kathy, uh, what Kathy Griffin did because once again 2018 era of the the era of the internet you can sit there and you can you can take artistic photos and you can sit there and try to make a statement but if you know allegations like this are brought forward brought to light it it makes people look at you different. It makes people question your your motives altogether, you know, historically, no matter what you've done in life. And while he does have his job back, while he's going to sit there and try to make things as normal as possible, there's going to be a lot of backlash. There's going to be a lot of, of, of struggle for him now because he's always going to have that stigma of, oh, well, she said you did this, you know, whether or not, you know, at the end of the day, he was guilty or not. There's always going to be that stigma now, and he has to carry that with him for the rest of his career. Where Kathy Griffin can honestly take another picture like that, and it'll make media buzz for like three days, and nobody will care again. Yeah, it, it's it's so difficult. It's so it, it's such a hard topic to talk about because you you want to believe these women, you want to sit there and say, oh, that's awful, but then. You know, you need you need proof. You need actual hard proof, not just a he said, she said. So, and that yeah, it's so damaging. And and I think the one thing you know, because because we're looking, you know, you'd mentioned Morgan Freeman, and Morgan Freeman did address it, and he he admitted that he made off color comments to people, but Morgan Freeman is known uh, throughout Hollywood to make comments to people to to. To, for levity, I should say, you know, and in a flirtatious way, anyone at that moment could be like, oh, Morgan Freeman just flirted with me. And hindsight being 2020, wearing those rose colored glasses, like I mentioned in, in the previous episode, Morgan Freeman hitting on me. Well, that was sexual harassment. I mean, yeah. And, and we're recently discovering this this entire like retroactive offensiveness. I'm going to co- coin that. Fuck that. I'm hashtagging that retroactive offensiveness <laughs> um, with what happened with James Gunn uh, getting yeah. fired from Disney. And I am a, I am extremely angry with that. And Roseanne Barr and we're going to mention James Gunn versus Roseanne Barr in this aspect. And I know this is going away from Walking Dead, but literally this is some of the hottest news and it's- all- 
it's your show. And you can do whatever first, you want. First off, it's my motherfucking show. And and secondly, I'm with two guys who are fucking nerds, and we're going to have this discussion. So if you don't like it and you just came for Walking Dead, suck my dick. But James Gunn got fired by Disney for offensive tweets a decade ago. Now, I would just like to say, when you guys buy, I'm going to I'm going to ask Eric a couple of yes or no questions. Eric, okay. did you recently have a bad experience purchasing a vehicle? Oh, yeah. <laughs> OK. <laughs> um, well, let me just go on the record. <laughs> fuck Tammy at Spur Subaru and Chevy and wherever the fuck she works. I hate that. Bitch. I knew this was going to hit a raw nerve. OK, <laughs> now. In purchasing a vehicle, did you and your wife know what vehicle you wanted before you bought it? Yes, we did. Did you look up the information on that vehicle? You got damn right we did. Did you do uh, uh, Carfax? Did you do uh, uh, Kelly Blue Book? Did you do, yep. uh, because you have two beautiful kids, did you do a a safety, uh, you know, uh, what is it? Fucking motor, uh, uh, car and driver, yeah. all that shit. I went down. I, I went down, I checked all the bullet points, I checked the crash test ratings, I checked reviews on the cars, I looked into the gas mileage, I drove the damn car myself. Okay. James Gunn is a car. And when you're introducing this this car into mm -hmm. something like, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which by phase two... <laughs> Disney family at the, that. The Disney family, which by phase two, you already knew what you were fucking getting. You already knew you were go you were you you knew you were stepping out of your bounds when you fucking brought Guardians of the Galaxy fucking screenplay into this shit. Yeah. Okay. He worked for Troma. His his record of online uh, activity was already brought before Disney. Any tweets were already fine tooth comb. Knowing employees of Disney theme parks as it is. I'm not talking about just fucking Disney as in the company that makes animation, but I'm talking about a theme park fucking person. They do a Roto-Rooter style cleaning to find out everything about you. They knew yep. what James Gunn had in his fucking closet. They knew, the, they knew the house the closet was built in. For them to fire James Gunn because James Gunn is outspoken against the current elected president of the United States and he's very vocal about it. Uh, conservative pundits went and and trolled his fucking Twitter from a decade ago and found that he and his boss of Troma Films, you know, the guys who gave us, you know, the 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 great American classic, the Toxic Avenger. Uh, <laughs> they went back and they found all this stuff, and all of a sudden, because of the Me Too movement and because of this retroactive offensiveness, got him fired. Now, all of these celebrities, including Dave Bautista, uh, Selma Blair, and people who are outspoken for the Me Too movement and Black Lives Matter, have all said, fuck that, that's bullshit, that was just entertainment, it was, it, he was open about it, and everyone knew it when he got hired. Roseanne Barr is calling foul. This is fucking bullshit, why the fuck? Okay, there is a major difference between the tweets that he did, Stone Cold Sober, and the alleged ambient-induced tweets that she did comparing an Obama era appointee to uh, um, a character from the planet of the apes. And this, this administrative person happened to be African-American. And now she's trying, first she tried to say, Oh, it was, it was my bad. It was a bad joke. Then it was, Oh, it's because of ambient. And then she said, Oh, I didn't know the bitch was, I thought the bitch was white. You have these things going on. 
two completely different universes. Mm-hmm. And and what are your thoughts on it, guys? So to tie my my Walking Dead into my Guardians of the Galaxy, um, yeah, good old Merrill over there, like Rooker, uh, quit Twitter over this whole thing. He said, "Fuck it, I'm going Instagram." He's like, "Twitter's it's literally it's it's toxic." I mean, you're gonna tell me that you're gonna dig up tweets from ten years ago, and I mean, I can't say that I haven't gone through my Twitter and like and like you know what. I'm going to delete some of these tweets because, I mean, you see it with the NBA all the time where people are pulling up like the NBA or the NFL where they're like, oh, man, you should see this dude's fucking tweets from a decade ago when he was in high school. And LeBron James. LeBron James. Yeah. I mean, they're talking about you. Yeah. LeBron James. No, I'll always bully LeBron James. I, whatever. There's no regrets there. I'm a Celtics fan. Um, But, you know, it's, it's the aspect of like you can't, especially with a guy whose career at the beginning was shock value. It was jaw dropping statements. You know, you, you can't you can't go in there and say, I want to buy that used gun right there and then buy it, bring it to your place, use it, and then go, oh. This gun was used to kill people? I don't want this gun. Get rid of this gun. You know, it's, it's, you, you, you can't, you just can't. If you, like you said, there's, there's that big roto rooter of your social media where they go through and they, they, they fine tooth comb everything you say and everything you do. I get that. But had this news outlet, not gone and sought out something that was, I mean, it's the internet, you know, text is taken out of context a hundred percent of the time, you know, the word, the, the letter K with a period at the end can be taken 30 different ways. That's text. That's the, that's the problem with text. And you go back a decade and you take something out of format out of context and you can spin it to literally be whatever you really want it to be. If you really try hard enough and you have enough people that will follow you in what you're saying, you really could spin it. Oh, I mean, I didn't see all of the tweets that were in question, but one of them was about the expendables that I had seen. I don't know if you had seen that one. Yes. That that literally, the, the tweet that he put out about the expendables, about how he had just seen it and he was so amped up that he, he grabbed the guy next to him and fucked him. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That I don't see anything wrong with that tweet. No, is it it's, of, it's a hilarious tweet. Yeah. I, is it like they, they, it's 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 in this I think this is the problem with it is that that is a joke about overt male testosterone. You have a movie with action heroes, not just any action heroes, but arguably the action heroes from what, 30 years? The greatest action heroes of all time. That was the, plus, that was the sell plus of Plus Terry Crews, who is a genetic freak. That guy's in his 40s, and he looks better than most guys now. Yep. That dude is a freak of nature. And... No free ads, but I've I've listened to interviews with him talking about his his diets and the way he works out. Like, good for Terry Crews. 
But you look at the movie The Expendables and you see all the action heroes. You watch the movie The Expendables and you see all the action sequences, the over-the-top, like, this is this is Schwarzenegger, this is Stallone, this is Jean-Claude Van Damme. This, like, this is all rolled into one. It's literally like every 90s action movie. It's it's Tango and Cash, but amped up to like a thousand, you know? And that tweet makes sense at that point. He's making fun of that movie. It's it, it He's not saying he actually grabbed the man next to him and fucked him. No, he's literally making fun of the movie saying, man, that movie was so over the top with action that I feel the testosterone pouring out of the screen and I want to fuck something. And, I mean, to be fair... We don't know if he actually fucked him or not. I mean, he could have. I mean, he may have been, he he may have been a willing participant. I'm going out on a limb. I'm going to say he probably didn't fuck him. And okay. <laughs> so, probably maybe so 60% Tom, of the time. So, Tommy, we're going to go with this, ret- this theme that we're all now talking about of retroactive offensiveness. And, you know, we've, we, we're, we're comedy guys. We love, you know, shooting the shit. You look at anything that Eddie Murphy or Richard Pryor or George Carlin or Chris Rock did between the, the, the late seventies to mid to late nineties, everything that they did would be offensive today. In fact, in fact, I actually talked on uh, a podcast recently where I was a guest where, you know, you, 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 Dan Harmon, is the co-creator of Rick and Morty, one of the greatest television shows to ever be put on fucking air, left Twitter because uh, of a skit that he did where he wanted to pitch a show to Showtime about a crime fighter who happened to have sex with babies. And they showed the picture of him. And he's, of course, it's him as a younger man, naked with a plastic baby doll. And he's trying to go over the top because at the time Dexter had just gotten off the air and Dexter, people love talking about Dexter. Like it's the greatest thing. It's a serial killer, serial killer show. Like it's a, it's a show that glorifies a murderer who just happens to murder bad people. It's the boondock saints. Only it's one guy who uses his massive intelligence and Dan Harmon, you know, took some flack and was like, fuck this. I'm, I apologize. Once I'm leaving Twitter, much like Michael Roker did. Yeah. But at what and and I told the joke of George Carlin once said in uh, "You're All Diseased." He goes, "You can joke about anything. You can joke about rape. Uh, imagine uh, Elmer Fudd raping Porky Pig." And you look at that joke, and it, it's such a good skit. I love that joke. But George Carlin and all of these guys called it years ago. Where first off, you're all weak pussies and everything I say in 20 years, you are going to hate me for. And you look at George Carlin shit, even Jim Jeffries 10 years ago, even Patton Oswalt in 2004, talking about gay retards. Um, And I hate saying that word, but I'm just bringing up this this idea of retroactive offensiveness. At what point... To to add on to that, the the retroactive offensiveness. Please do. Look at movies from the 90s oh god look at ghostbusters for fuck's sake movies just movies from the 90s right and and i'm going to specify this more look at movies from the 90s and early 2000s where there's a jock picking on a nerd guaranteed you hear the word faggot five times uh, Pat- at least yeah and Patton oswald actually in his 2004 comedy central sketch 
faggot was said a fuck ton. Continue. But I, I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's like back then people thought it was humorous. It was fun. You roll forward 15 years now. So say, well, it happened 2003. You roll forward 15 years. And I guarantee you, none of these movies get played on HBO, Cinemax, any any stuff like that. I mean, I mean, these are movies that like I have popped up in what comedy movies I have popped up in. Watch. I mean, for Christ's sakes, you watch the movie Sex Drive, right? A comedy. Yep. A comedy about a kid who takes his brother's car to go get laid from a chick he met on the internet. And it turns out that the guy whose car was taken, who was the over-aggressive, jockey, douchey brother, spoiler alert, oh, it turns out he's gay. Does that make everything that he says in the movie okay? Well, in this PC world, no, it doesn't anymore. But it's like, back then, it was hysterical. It was, it was a funny scene. It was a great, it was a funny movie. It was a horrible movie. But it was funny. It was it was it was mind-numbingly funny. It was just bullshit that made you laugh and forget about life. I mean, fucking, you you've got the Amish working on cars. Like Seth Green is is an Amish man who's like, yeah, I don't know anything about that 1969 you know judge that you have there. But good luck with your with your space car future, man. Like. You know, he he jokes about not knowing what the internet is. It's just you get those funny jokes, but back then they were funny, and now they're not. Like you know, people can't pick and choose. You know, and see that's that's the thing. It's like they take the like perfect example where he turns out to be gay. They take the offensive jokes and use it in a self depreciating way to make it quote unquote fine. But now, now if you try to do that, it's immediately offensive. Take this off. Ban this movie. It's it's ridiculous. Like, I, I enjoy good comedy. I enjoy raunchy comedy. Mm-hmm. And, like, comics like Eddie Murphy, George Carlin, you know, movies like Sex Drive, they would never, ever make it in this day and age. And it's sad because they're, they are comedic gems. They are absolutely totally 100 percent you know rare finds but they would be so offensive now because everybody's so sensitive because we have the internet because everybody has a voice and again i'm all for people talking my issue with that is that everybody's opinion is not correct however when enough idiots join together in a group hey the louder the voice the more meaning it has yeah and and you know one of the the you know we we mentioned Roseanne Barr earlier, uh, Roseanne's show while critically acclaimed by those on the right, those on the left were like Roseanne, how dare you talk about you know right wing people? You know we had Tim Allen lose his show, uh, Last Man mm-hmm. Standing, uh, because he he gave a right wing view. I think everything has become political and it doesn't need to be. And yeah. you know I look at Roseanne, what she said was 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 fucking wrong okay although one could say it had she just said it was a bad joke i'm sorry i'm off of twitter that would have been fine by me you could have given her the three-year wait for like we did with hulk hogan and she could have come back 
and everything would have been fine. Instead, no, you had to keep fucking lying. It's like it's like a little kid that breaks a cookie jar trying to get the cookies. It's like all of a sudden after 25 asking, well, how did that happen? The cat sprung wings and was fly, you know, was fighting an eagle in the kitchen, and that's how your prized cookie jar fell off the top of the refrigerator. Not, I hey, man, that shit really happens. <laughs> Especially on weed. But, like, I, I, I look up, and, you know, I want Married with Children to come back. I would give my left testicle for one season of Married with Children now to come back. I would, I would kill for another season you, of Married with Children. But you, but See, Kelly, that skips some levels. But Kelly, man, <laughs> I'm giving up a testicle. Eric Evanon's going to beat a bitch. But like, I would physically assault a TV station employee for that show to come back. Any specific employee that you're thinking of? Because that was real specific. Right that, was, that was super specific. Um, I'm not saying. Does Tammy I'm work just... there too? Like, but... <laughs> she might. She might. There's, there's probably a Tammy, but I, I'm, not, I'm not. Tammy. But Gil, it, I, it's it's a it's kind of like a boy named Sue. It's just a guy named Tammy that works at the 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 TV don't station. Don't bring cash into this. <laughs> but like, I look at it, and you know, you you can't slut shame. So Kelly Bundy was a slut. She was she was kind of like made fun of for that. Nowadays, you'd have people being like, well, she's a liberated woman who is exploring her sexuality. Go fuck yourself. And you can't make fun of Peg for sitting around. No, ma'am, would definitely not exist because it would be overly misogynistic. And, you know, I look at these things nowadays and you you wish that the bygone era would at least come back a little bit. And I'm going to pose this question before we start wrapping it up. Do you ever feel like in entertainment, we will ever get back to that level of normalcy where, you know, a joke is sometimes just a joke, like Dave Chappelle taking flack over making fun of Caitlyn Jenner uh, or Marlon Wayans get, you know, taking flack over making fun of Caitlyn Jenner or, you know, uh, any plethora of George Carlin. Do you think there will come a day when it's like it's OK to joke like that? Because at the end of the day, we're all people and we all respect each other. I'll let each one of you answer that question. Oh, mine flat out is a no. Oh, shit. My, mine is just flat out a no. We've become so sensitive as a society, as a, as a group of human beings, that the quote-unquote normalcy of a joke being a joke will never just stay at that. Somebody's always going to sit there and try to dissect every little word to try to find some offense. Everybody's going to sit there and, and constantly pick at words to try to find something to be angry about, something to be upset about. So, so no, it, it's never going to happen. And it's unfortunate that it's never going to happen because you're going to lose a lot of great moments because of that. A lot of, a lot of quotable things that can bring uh, a group of people together and get people laughing in such a time where, where everything is so serious and everything needs to be, you know, right wing, left wing, you know, red, blue, it, it shouldn't matter. Comedy is comedy. Laughs are laughs. You know, entertainment is entertainment. And it's, it's in any genre of entertainment, whether it be sports entertainment, wrestling, like what we do, whether it be in television, movies, you know, stand-up, uh, stand-ups, it's never going to be the same. Eric? So, I, as much as I would want it to be back, I don't think we'll ever get to a point where it'll be exactly like it was when, you know, the 90s 
in the 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 late 80s the early 90s and then the 2000s with the way television was going entertainment was going you know it's it's the the i think the era of spoof movies like you know not another teen movie or um just like i i feel like we're we're never going to get to a point where it's going to be okay to make jokes at other people's expenses because of the fact that everyone has some sort of support group that's going to throw a tantrum about it. And although I do think that, you know, like the Roseanne Barr thing, like that just was, it was absurd in how quickly it blew up. And, you know, yeah, she lost her show, but it's, it's not about her losing her show. It's about the people that, you know, uh, albeit John Goodman's not hurting for work and or money, you know, but it still sucks at the fact that the one thing that a lot of us were looking for with the Roseanne reboot was having that little piece of the nineties back. Oh, we'll you still know, get I, that because they greenlit a Connors show. Sorry, yep. everybody, but Roseanne. So we'll still yep. get that. And, and so I, I feel like, it, well, it, even then, though, it's still not going to be the same. It's it's kind of like saying, you know, here's Home Improvement, but no Tim Allen. Oh, I'm, you know? I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. I it, only watched Roseanne for Dan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, Dan was great. I, he was one of my favorite characters on Roseanne. He was one of the most memorable ones when I was a kid, and my parents would watch Roseanne. Um, but, you know, the in retrospect, I don't think that we'll ever get to a point where it's going to be okay to joke about X, Y, and Z specifically. Um you know, you, you can't go and make fun of multiple groups of people or else you're, 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 you're just being hateful and you're hurting feelings. And it sucks because I feel like comedy is such an amazing art when done right. And if, you know, if you're a good comedian, you should never need to uh, offend or insult a group of people to get laughs. But I do think there are points in times where, uh, you know, the jokes told right, especially with like guys like Carlin, George Carlin used to make fun of everybody. And he was, he's probably one of my favorite old comedians. Um, and then, you know, you look at movies, like, even if you want to go back to movies that are in the, the eighties, like with Gene Wilder and, uh, uh what, what was the name of the movie where he was blind? Um, see no evils, uh, see no evil, hear no evil. Yeah. When the, the, they were blind and deaf. It, you, if you get the chance to sit down and watch that movie, and you see how different comedy is now, and it's it's not it's not how different comedy is because it's evolved. It's how different the comedy is in that movie. I mean, at one point, there's a woman who is sexually assaulted in today's standards. You know what I'm saying? Like Gene Wilder, he's he's deaf, but he can see. Making this broad strip in front of him. You know, drop the towel. Oh yeah, I like that. Like that's nowadays that's sexual assault. Absolutely. But back then it was back then it was comedy. Back then it was a it was a haha moment where oh shit they got the one up on her. She's the bad guy. Man, you I can't that? wait for the stories of Bob Barker fucking a dog come out. Oh. oh my god, Bob Barker, he's he is he is a gem. You leave him out of this. <laughs> you do not but, you know, you look, you look back on, on movies like that and you, you I could never imagine something like that being being done now. 
No. Like I said, it was a different time. But even then, it's like back then we understood. I think that that gray line is 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 getting thinner every day where it's no, this is either black or this is white. There's no gray line anymore. Um, And I think people forget that entertainment is entertainment. And I feel like people with especially with the advent of social media and it being so present and everyone kind of having their 280 characters or less to say their mind. And especially in a world where Twitter, I don't care who you are. Twitter has no feelings. Twitter, every anyone and everyone who is on Twitter that uses Twitter frequently, they're not out there for friends. They're out there to hurt feelings and troll. That is that is Twitter in a nutshell. Um, Hi, Angela. So it's like you you know when when you look at social media, social media has given everybody a voice. Not always a good thing, but social media has given everybody a voice. Their voices have said, hey, we are pissed off. We don't like the way things are done. We're going to make a movement. We're going to make a stand. Here's a hashtag. And because of that, you know, there's good things that have come out of that. People have been able to have their things seen. People have been able to start movements, um, social media movements to help uh, charities, to help causes, to help push events, to help good things. There are good things that come from social media, but with all the good do come all the bad. And I think that stuff like social media has really helped hinder comedy and entertainment and television and the creative minds that are behind that. You know, I think we are in a generation right now where we are going to see reality TV really taking a bigger turn, bigger than it has before. You know, we're starting to see guys who have gone away from reality TV, like the Miz, the Miz, somebody who was on on TV for reality TV, then became a professional wrestler back in reality TV again. Yeah, you know we're seeing the the turn of guys like The Rock, who was a professional wrestler first and foremost, has now become an entertainer and is arguably the biggest movie star in the history of cinema. You know, so it's like if The Rock was to go on and say something, which he won't, he's got a great PR team and a good head on his shoulders. But if The Rock was to go out and say something stupid and it goes sideways. That is a man who has touched how many movies? Yeah. How many th- how, how many things that he has said in his past that people could go back and flip? I mean, talking wrestling, Chris Jericho, one of one of the first moments I remember in professional wrestling is Chris Jericho calling Stephanie McMahon a dirty trash bag bottom feeding hoe on live television in front of her father. And everyone lost their minds about it. And I it was the moment that hooked me to professional wrestling. And if you and if, I was a child. Exactly. You say that today, he has lost his job. He has scrubbed from their pages. He's scrubbed from their media. Uh, essentially, every Christian. At that point, Vacant is now the first ever undisputed champion. Way to go, Stevie Richards. You got another accomplishment. Like, <laughs> that is the biggest. Like, do you remember when Stevie body slammed Andre at WrestleMania? Uh, well, when Stevie Richards and Eddie Guerrero had that amazing WrestleMania moment after he won the World hey, Heavyweight Championship. Hey, hey now, don't you, don't you fucking, don't you disparage the good goddamn name of Chris uh, Benoit. And on that note, Eric, good Benoit, name, Eric, good name. Thank you. I will, fu- I will say Chris Benoit till the day I die. All right, we've got. Uh, you throw some sensors on. Here. I don't give a fuck. We've got thirty seconds left, gentlemen. Um, I'm gonna close the show out. Holy fuck, two fucking hours with the IndyCard Mafia. It has been an absolute pleasure with both of you. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. I've got, I've got, (laughs) that part is, is we can keep going. 
I've, I know. And I've got 30 seconds left to say, uh, follow the IndyCard me- uh, Mafia, follow IndyCard Media. If you need any kind of stuff done by these guys, uh, professional wrestling fucking uh, artists, they are fucking artists in the ring. And as you could tell by this Thank podcast, you. they are artists on the microphone. Uh, Thomas Brewington, Eric Emanon, thank you for joining me on Films of Fury, parts one and parts two of the uh, season nine Walking Dead. As always, I am Sergeant Fury, and with only eight seconds to go, I love you. Everybody, stay furious. Out. <laughs>